the uh, quartet uh, from Anchorman 2. Will Ferrell, Steve Carell, Dave Koechner, Paul Rudd. Houston Oilers, Houston Oilers number one. Rain Wilson here on the Rich Eisen podcast. How are you? Is that is that the twelfth man? Have you, you been in that stadium? Uncanny. Your ears literally bleed. They should hand out like ear tampons. <laughs> uh, at lt underscore twenty one. Do you follow me on Twitter? Uh oh. The headsets are coming off. Check it you're known for your lateral movement, but don't you leave just yet. When you spoke to the commissioner, Roger the, Roger the Goods Goodell, when he comes down the hallway, everyone goes, here comes the, here goods. Comes the goods. Here comes right? the goods. He is Vince Vaughn. How are you, Vince? I got to tell you, I did take David Wilson early in my fantasy draft. Uh-huh. Who but, else uh, is on your fantasy team? I'm in an 18-man league. We call it a man's league, Rich. And, uh... <laughs> Awesome. NFL. NFL. Completely. Come yourself. Where's Jerry Jones? Grab the hot trophy. Grab the hot trophy. Jerry Jones did it. Houston Oilers number one. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host. Rich Eisen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rich Eisen Podcast, the latest edition of this show coming back from a month-long sabbatical. Uh, We heard from a lot of you fans wondering where this show was, what was going on with this show, whether the show still existed. It's complicated, but we have some answers for you now after the month-long sabbatical in which uh, an absolute ton happened. And that's what this show is about this week, is not only talking about the future of this program, but uh, clearly about the National Football League season that is about to start with week three of the preseason in the books. So much going on. And we'll try our best to catch you all up to speed. And that's not just the royal we. Chris Law on the other side of the glass. How are you, sir? Rich, I'm doing well. Pleasure to see you. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for me having you back? Yeah, you know. <laughs> there's no there's no guarantees in, in the NFL. Not for long in this league, you know. And uh, back from his dog a palooza in the Pacific Northwest, where all of his friends from Syracuse and what have you, where they have a 14-team, no-time-limit fantasy football draft. Chris Brockman. Hey, you, hey guys, how's it going? You doing okay? <laughs> I'm alive. Eight hours, three minutes. Well, we checked in. You know that's an abomination, uh, as I, we know. I understand. That is an affront my, my to friend, humanity. My friends greatly enjoyed your text and tweets throughout. Eight-hour-long fantasy football draft is an absolute affront, and we'll discuss that also on this program with guests Bill Cower of CBS, because yes. as we all, all right. know, there is a CBS. NFL Network, NFL Media Partnership for Thursday Night Football. That's one of the things I have been doing in the last four weeks. Uh, We went to to New York City, the we being me and Mooch and Marshall and Irvin and Dion and the rest of the NFL Network Thursday Night Football gang to take part in the the annual CBS uh, symposium that uh, every network goes through prior to an NFL season to go over the new rules, to go over what a season is going to unfold potentially on, on their networks. So the NFL Network and CBS had a two-day symposium. I was there in New York. Uh, so Bill Cower, who was there as well, will be phoning in. Excellent. And a guest that I have been circling for weeks. Weeks. 
we were finally able to land this British Airways plane. <laughs> uh, Ian Dark, the voice of uh, World Cup action on the worldwide leader in sports, the mothership, as my good friend Dan Patrick would call. What a summer he had. Ian Dark will be joining this program as well. I- I'm such a Can't huge fan of his work. I've never met the man. Um, and, you know, as I, I mentioned to the the Monday morning quarterback that I filled in for Peter King, I, I wish somebody would give him a shot to call NFL games. Naturally, one of the three that are in Europe this year. Right, would that would be. He, oh. he is, like uh, some Brits, not fully versed on the American version of football. He is clearly deep in into uh, what the rest of the world calls football. Yes. Um, Could you just imagine, though, a late late game touchdown and he just busts out the equalizer? Well, the one thing that I would want would be is calling a, a guy who fumbles a football dispossessed <laughs> of the ball, which <laughs> is one of the many things that he would say. Would he call it the pitch? Uh, well, I mean, you 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 could, but it. I think you'd get, you'd have to obviously go ahead and and, and move over the call terms right, bit, move right, the terms right. over. But you would have to say uh, Tampa are right. Tampa are doing well against right. Atlanta in this right. game. So, uh, but Ian, you know, as we know, there's so many Brits uh, who listen to this program, download it on iTunes or what have you, who are hardcore. Uh, NFL fans, and I figured they, they know they know Ian Dark obviously for years, decades, yeah, of his work, and and to have him on the show, I'm honored and I'm I'm excited. And that's that's here on this program that has only seven weeks left in its life. Yes, in or this, its current in its iteration. iteration. Now let me get into right. this. Okay, this okay. is all you here. Break it down. Here's the scoop with this program. We have had a blast since 2010. Unbelievable. Okay. Uh, Law, you came on board mid-2010 season. Came on a little bit after week four. Okay. So about six weeks into the program. Okay. And Brockman, you joined the group... I joined uh, 2011, just before week one, 2011. My first episode was Tom Brady. Okay. So by the group, I mean the three of us. Yes. I mean, and there have been um, many people along the way who have helped with this show, have helped book it, uh, helped produce it as well. Um, Certainly the television side of things. Uh, Spoon, who works uh, at Fox Sports now. Uh, Jason Kleiman, everybody who produced who you, all of your predecessors, Brockman, right. have since moved on to they Fox have. Sports or Fox Sports One. I mean, we almost got Spoon a date. We did get Spoon a date. We did podcast. with Kara Henderson's kindergarten, uh, kindergarten teacher. teacher, right? Yeah. His son's Tate's, her yeah. son, the Tate's kindergarten teacher. Uh, I think that was one and done. <laughs> that was a one and done, <laughs> right? That was a one and done. But at any rate, this show began in 2010. Not to go too long into it, as an opportunity for what I think the sports world was was lacking, at least the sports TV world was lacking, or the sports media world was lacking, that there is a cross-section between sports and entertainment. No doubt. Okay? And many people realize that, obviously, but there, there, there is no greater pop culture touchstone than the National Football League. It's not just a sport. It is a pop culture touchstone. It's the reason why the biggest sporting event this country has to offer is stopped in the middle for a rock concert. It's a cross-section, a tapestry, and all in walks of sporting life, certainly here in America, that every athlete wants to be an entertainer, every entertainer wants to be an athlete. 
So why not have celebrities come on and talk about the National Football League? And why not have National Football League players perhaps on occasion talk about entertainment? Aaron Rodgers phoning in to talk merely about Game of Thrones a couple of summers ago. People are still talking about that, wondering where he was this year. We tried, let's put it that way, to get him on to talk about it. Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald was talking about Boardwalk Empire, right? Yep. So long story short, we started this show and have nurtured it and grown it to the point where sometimes people have knocked on my door saying, would you like to do something bigger with it? And the group at DirecTV that produces Dan Patrick's radio show and televises it knocked on my door. And sure enough, after much discussion... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is that one way of a lot it? of which occurred in the last four weeks this show is going to be done every day we've been doing it once a week right once and we, and we, right and we go as long as the show needs to go yep this show will now be done every day of the week monday through friday three hours a day televised on direct tv Yes. Audience network. It will also be streamed live on this. What I'm overjoyed about. It'll be streamed live on NFL. Now the new NFL media app that is available, not only here in the United States, it's internationally. So all of our international listeners who have been tweeting at us saying, how will I be able to listen to this new show, which humbly is called the Rich Johnson show. (laughs) And, They'll be able to stream it on the NFL Now app. Live. So what that means is it's available on your phone, on your tablet, or on your connected TV. So if you have Roku, Apple TV, Xbox Live, Amazon Fire, all of that. You can either watch it on your work desktop computer or you can watch it on your television at home, on demand, live, however you want. And, and you also, when you when you... Fire up NFL now. You put in your information. Yeah. So you say you're an Eagles fan like you would Law. You're a Patriots fan like you would Brockman. Right. Then all of the material that is on NFL now is geared towards your fandom. You also put in your NFL.com login and password. All your fantasy players come to you. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Everything to do with your fantasy players comes to you in all news form or video. NFL Films Library is open to you on this thing. That, that's the huge thing for and me. And I'm honored because I was the guy who first stepped foot on the NFL Network Stage 1 as we come to you from Stage 7, as they're calling the new podcast studio right yes. now. On Stage 1 at 8.01 Eastern Time on November 4th, 2003. And also, we are the first podcast in the history of this place, of which, as you know, there are many now. Yeah. And... They're downloaded a gajillion times. We're pleased that this show will plant the flag on the digital app world. Now, I understand that this show was available on whatever app that was previous. You also needed a private detective to find (laughs) it on that app. It's a little difficult to find. But now this is a different story. And every day. And this is not the only manner in which this show will be distributed. That is still to come. There will be other ways for you to find this show that are just not ready to be announced yet. There will be a podcast version of this show. 
I don't know how you're going to get it, but it's going to happen, and we'll let you know. Yeah, we'll have more details on all that as time goes on. We're on the three hours after the Dan Patrick radio show. Yes. The Dan Patrick show. And I couldn't be more excited to say that the we is not just a royal we. It's me. And my two Chris's are coming with me. <laughs> We're packing up. So our last, Brockman and I's last day here at the NFL was last week, and here we are back at the NFL. I know. <laughs> Every <laughs> time you think it. you're out, they pull had, me back I, in. I had my going away. They did a happy hour for me. Everyone yeah. says, oh, which man, is another I, interesting point. By the way. Is that, is that it's sort of the real-life version of your guys' Twitter accounts. <laughs> That's, that's not, okay. That's not that and far that, off And base. that law got a farewell party. Seriously. And Brockman, you didn't. By the way, there was also an email for a helmet yeah, going around come that on, got let's signed Let's pass it around and give Hel- yeah, that right, law a helmet right. that everybody in the place signs. By the way, Brockman. When did you start? When was your first day I, at I NFL? Got, I got lunch, too. I got a lunch. You got a well. lunch. When was your first day? Uh, I was hired in July of 2010. Uh, first day was August. When 10th. were you here, Brockman? August thirteenth, two thousand nine. A full year before. It's you. all about relationships, Brockman. Yeah, in this it's business, about, it's not about uh, length of of stay. It's not about quantity. It's about quality. Guess, yeah, I guess so. exactly. I guess so. I guess maybe I. And 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 or maybe there's just a lot of people here who respond to the lowest common denominator that <laughs> law exudes. That's and that's why he has more Twitter followers. That's what I'm saying. When you say lowest common you. denominator, that's could you give an example of one? Maybe? Oh, yeah. Dog <laughs> shitting on airplanes. <laughs> or, how about yesterday? Um, what did you tweet out yesterday? He tweeted uh, out a photograph of chicken ramen and shrimp ramen saying it's and surf and it? turf. Surf and turf and is I not said, like, chicken. Turf is, is, is red meat. <laughs> I mean, come on. Surf and it's like that's that surf and Poultry. That was that was debatable, you know. That it's was like, so. There's no debate. Oh I think uh, so some people came That's to my That's why defense. people love him more, Brock. I guess so. What do, what do I have to do? Do I have Act to just like more like an idiot? Just, <laughs> just stoop lower, I guess. Although flying to Seattle Look. and having a 14-team, eight-hour-long draft, that is the height of idiocy. <laughs> I don't know of anything more idiotic than that. But at any rate, the Rich Eisen show is coming October 6th. Yeah, we obviously Monday, October 6th. Monday. is the start date for this show. And three hours a day, noon to three Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific out here in in California. And it'll be available, like I said, on DirecTV. Uh, there are uh, three root sports networks. Yes. What is it? In Seattle, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. And, and I, I forget where the, I forget third, where the third one is. But it'll be available on those stations if you don't have DirecTV. And if you don't have DirecTV, there's the NFL Now app. Yeah. So Do you know how many people are going to be watching during work? How great is this? Oh. We are going to absolutely defray the American work ethic <laughs> on a daily basis. I'm okay with that. Celebrities okay. and, and, and sports guests all in one show, Monday yep. through Friday. All in one. The Rich Eisen we Show. We couldn't be more excited. How pumped are we? So pumped. Well, the work's ahead. We gotta I know. Gosh darn it. I mean, you know how many times over the last six months I've been staring at the ceiling oh. at night, three in the morning, four in the morning, the, the, the clock blinking at me. But it's now in the books. It's finally done. I want to thank everybody who helped make it happen. Um, and, and off we go. Law, Brockman, and, and, uh, and me every day. And what's great is it is yeah, just who a, allowed get this ready, to It's a partnership with the with the league too. That's yes. the best part. So yeah. you know it's kind of where part. we've all 
kind of gotten to spread our wings a little here, yeah. Brockman yep. and I, and no doubt. getting to still kind of work with a lot of the same people or cross paths with them is awesome. Excellent. So excited. No, what even offered to take you to lunch? No, not one. No one even said, nope, no, here's, here's something? Or? No no lunch. I, I didn't even get like a like a jersey or a folder on the way out. Dude. Nope. Law got a signed helmet. He like got a, almost a ticker a tape lunch. parade. They almost shut down Washington Boulevard right. here this is like Law's in Culver own, City. Law's own personal canyon of heroes right. outside. Look, I'm a people person. I, I've You're a, a people person? I've had, a, I've had a good, many a good road trips with a lot of these folks over we the years. We need to delve into this a little bit more. This needs to investigate. You piss people off here, Brock. <laughs> well, there's no question. There's no question. Hey, well, look, you crack some eggs to make cra- the omelet, bro. Crabtree, I mean, that's look, right. oh, yeah. he's got a history. That's By the way, hey, I buried, true. The, buried the hatchet with Michael Crabtree in case he's listening. Oh, you drafted him? I kept him. My number one overall keeper. Granted, my keepers really weren't that great. Well, but, I think I guess that's a perfect way for us to transition now into the uh, – before we get to Bill Cower is what's going on in in the National Football League. So Certainly now on. with all the preseason in the books and the storylines now, will they match the storylines once – the season is underway. 11 days from Monday. And I guess the San Francisco storyline is that the offense looks dreadful. Dreadful. It, it looks disoriented. It looks discombobulated. By the way, as as we're talking about this, Russell Wilson runs one in on the television we're watching. Well, I mean, and that is also <laughs> another aspect of the preseason as we're watching. Note soon, by the way, on the Rich Eisen show, talking about things in real time exactly. works. Works, but right Not now, yet. Brockman, Not we're yet. still Sorry, in the mode. Sorry, you know mode. what? I jumped the gun a little we're bit. Still I jumped the gun a little we're still in the mode. We're still in the mode of people downloading it at their right. leisure. Right. You know, and right now it's the middle of the day on Monday, <laughs> and we're watching a replay of the boat race that you were present for. Correct? I was at this game. Correct. Against the Chicago Bears, because your um, heel palooza. <laughs> Wait, we're gonna have to work on that for the live program. I know. As that's well. why I'm getting in all my four-letter <laughs> words now. Your heel of Palooza is done every year in the town of the Super Bowl champion. Yes. And so you went to Seattle and, and you it, watched this, this Seahawks-Bears yeah. game. And that is, you know, obviously in the NFC West, which is where I guess we'll start, Let's since start that is there. the easily the most uh, stacked division in the National Football League and the one with a lot of news emanating from it, so, that the San crazy. Francisco offense looks dreadful. Kaepernick looks lost. Frank Gore is nowhere to be found. But it's the preseason, right? That's the caveat, I guess. That's the. But it's the preseason. I feel like we're getting rope doped a little. You re- really think so? I mean, I, I said this months and months and months ago that I expected San Francisco to have that drop off. They were the we- team amongst the two, even the Rams and the Cardinals, who were on the precipice of the playoffs. I just expected 40, the 49ers to fall off. There was too much going on. Well, now that's what it was. I almost tweeted this out a, a couple of days ago. It's like it's so 2010, where. Everybody's wondering if Jim Harbaugh is rubbing the players the wrong way. Do you remember that when he first arrived? Yeah, right. And he's rubbing the players the wrong way, and so suddenly they responded to him and went to three consecutive championship games. So you think now it's I getting a little I don't know, because Vernon Davis wants a new contract. Didn't get it. Crabtree, Crabtree wants a new wants contract. One. Despite how warm and fuzzy he must feel right now because you kept him in his fantasy league i don't think that is going to make him a more happy camper ah. when he suits up week one against the dallas cowboys what a great week one game that's gonna be I picked up a hint of sarcasm there no no i'm being absolutely <laughs> genuine okay there's t- no eyes and font here i tweeted to him he didn't get back to me and then there's seattle who i went on dan's show a couple weeks ago and i have said that and i've said it 
throughout the last several weeks. I'm, I'm putting it out there now. They repeat. I know Peter King in his Monday morning quarterback on Monday this very week said they are the best-looking team he saw in the 27 of the 32 camps he visited. But just because it's so tough to repeat, because the last team to be a defending Super Bowl champ and win a playoff game were the 05 Patriots, because it has been that long since any defending champ has had a modicum of success in the follow-up season. He thinks Seattle will not repeat just on that alone. I disagree. I think they repeat. I think that they will have a monster season, that it will be very difficult for anybody to win up there, as you saw firsthand in the preseason. It, the, for a preseason game, we were sitting in the upper deck. You could not hear the person next to you talking during a defensive possession. When the Bears had the had the ball on offense, it was so loud I couldn't hear my friend next to me. Are we are we at all worried though that Golden Tate's gone, Curse Baldwin, solid options but not not. No, those guys. Not by the way, more than by the way, by Miller. the way, they looked more than solid in that. In February. The, by the way, the Bears the, the Bears the are a chic Super Bowl pick right now, and they manhandled them. Well, again, it's just the preseason in that yeah. regard. But I know still, that. I know. I know that. But still. I, and I know that what I'm saying is based on what we also have seen in the two home games that we've seen out of Seattle. Sure. I'm saying this. Let's just say they're seven and one. Let's say somebody goes up there and takes a game from them. Possible. All right. Then they go four and four on the road at the worst. That's an 11 win season. That might be enough to win the division. If not, then I have an issue with them maybe having to go on the road and and go through a a crucible of a playoff season. Yeah. But if they get home field advantage, not only throughout but through part of it through part of it, then I think that they're going to go ahead and win it all again. Russell Wilson. I mean, I truly believe that. Amazing. I truly they, believe they, it. And they did lose a lot on defense, but still. I think that they would. Now, I, I still don't know who they're going to play in the Super Bowl. You're not willing to go there yet. I don't know if I'm willing to go there. I don't know who they're going to play in the Super Bowl in Arizona. <laughs> going down to Arizona, that place would, would – Oh. The 12s would overrun oh. it. They overran. I told you that story yeah. from Thursday Night Football. I've told it many times here. Yep. That Arizona hosting Seattle in Thursday Night Football last year. I, I needed uh, Russell Wilson, who came to the set after the game, he, he needed an earpiece sitting two f- seats away from me That's because of the 10,000-plus Seattle fans that stuck around in Arizona after the game. At any rate. But the big news out of the NFC West is Sam Bradford blowing his knee out. On, on what looked like such a harmless almost play. And Sean Hill is the guy after all of this in the offseason with the Rams having once again the second overall choice. Unbelievable. And I mean, it feels, twice. It feels so bad for him. Twice having an opportunity in the first round to go and get, in the first case, anybody they wanted. And in the second case, anybody but Blake Bortles that they wanted. And now it's Sean Hill, who is the quarterback, going into the regular season for a Rams team that is sky high, feeling great about itself. Defensively, they are stallions. They could be one of the best front sevens in the National Football League. You think they make a move for a Sanchez or a Mallory? Well, here's the thing with Sanchez. Let's be honest here. They could have had him in the offseason. Yeah. Sanchez wants no piece of Schottenheimer again. He's one Brian Schottenheimer again. Right. Yeah. But Come on. 
He wants no piece of that. Right. And 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 you you know. And if you're the 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 Eagles, why would you give him up? He's got two point two five million bucks to be your backup, who looks great in the Chip Kelly system. And I think I saw a stat in the Monday morning quarterback too from a longtime beat writer of the Eagles that that sixteen of the last twenty three seasons the Eagles backup has played at least two games. Wow. <laughs> wow. Why would you wow. trade him? Why would you trade him? Of course not. That's ridiculous. Right. Now, if you're New England, the whole lot, Ryan Mallett is not playing the fourth preseason game, so everybody's thinking that he's being held out for a trade. I don't know. Would Les Snead go ahead and pull the trigger on a draft pick, a two or a three to go get him, and then have to get him up to speed? You don't have any time to get somebody ready. Sean Hill, with his experience, even though he's pulled the trigger in the NFL only 12 times in the last four years, backing up Stafford, but he's been in the system for all spring and summer. Going with a veteran in that situation might be better than getting Ryan Mallett and giving him his first full-on action in the NFL in a system he's trying to learn on the fly. That might be the best thing for the Rams. And, by the way, the last time the Rams' starting quarterback blew out his knee this late in the preseason, Jeff Fisher lost to the backup by one yard in the Super Bowl. That's right. Trent Green. There is a you-never-know aspect of this. And anybody could sit here listening. Oh, Sean Hill, come on, please. Who was Kurt Warner? <laughs> Who was Kurt Warner? A guy from the friggin' hy market That's in right. Iowa. Stock and shelves. So you never know. See what happens and and see how it goes. I don't think the Rams have any choice but to, to do that and hope he stays healthy. Right. And Sean Hill's won some games in this well, league, too. Well, don't though. the Rams have a bye week, week four? So, Well, can you look that yep, up? Stage it. seven does not have any computers. Maybe me. you give Sean Hill a shot the first. Maybe you do trade for Mallet, and maybe you let him work You know, work the playbook for the next month. And if Sean Hill's not the guy, maybe you give Mallet well, a shot. Well, why would the Patriots five. go ahead and trade Mallet, though? Why would you do that? Well, you got it. Well, you got Garoppolo. You, got Garoppolo? Yeah. you want you want Garoppolo taking care of business if well, Brady goes down. I'm looking at you. Yeah, I'm looking at you. Sure, uh, sure. You have no sure. problem. Mallet has you shown. Have no Mallet problem. has shown in four years that he doesn't have it. What do you mean he's, he doesn't? What have are you it? talking about? In the preseason, he's had his opportunities, and he, he what, what has he done with it? What, what you, has he done with it in the preseason in the last four years? Did you leave your mind in Seattle? It's possible. <laughs> They do have a bye week four. Uh, they play the Cowboys in week three. They come back in the NFC East again against the Eagles week five. So maybe you pull a trigger if, if Hill doesn't look. I'm boy, just saying. I don't then, know what, what is about, the option well, that you so have. You what, about, what, no about, options. what about Mike Vick? Why would the Jets cough him up? You bring your backup for a second round pick. As we are discussing now, your backup quarterback is crucial in the NFL. And if you have one that isn't going to be ready to take your team to the promised land at a moment's notice, at the snap of a of, of a ligament, then you've got the wrong backup here's, in the NFL, here's the man. the defenses they would face if they came back week five with a new quarterback. The Eagles, okay. Then it goes Niners, Seahawks, Chiefs, Niners again, and then the Cardinals. Oof. Oh, so that's easy. <laughs> Yikes. Look out. And now, switching gears before we get to Cower, because I want his thoughts on this. Read me Cleveland's first three games. Cleveland. Read me Cleveland's first three games. We know they're at Pittsburgh. 
What else you got for me, Chris Law? Read them off for me. Internet here is a little slow in our new room. So we start with Pittsburgh. Yep. Then we go traveling to – I'm sorry, they welcome in the Saints. Yeah. And then they host the Ravens. Why would you start Johnny Manziel against those three teams? Certainly if you don't have Josh Gordon, as they're expected. Why would you do that? I mean, Brian Hoyer is going to get fed to the figurative lines. Are the lines actually on their schedule? Uh, so they can be fed to the literal lines? The lines are not on their schedule this okay. year. And then they as have in the, a, they as have in a Sue, who do you shove over this week? Who do you I, shove over nice and late? I missed it. Dominican Sue. That guy's I forgot mad. who he shoved over. He shoved, but, no, it was it was uh was it Bradford I, I, a couple of weeks ago? We, I just saw that. I thought I saw but that. Week this four, week. Browns have a bye Browns week four, right? Bye week four also, then they okay. face the Titans. You mentioned the name earlier though. I mean, we gotta talk to the goods about this. I had two fantasy drafts and I have a third tonight. I don't know what to do with Josh Gordon. Is it six, eight? 12 game? Oh, yeah. Let me send an email to the commissioner <laughs> hey. and tell him that this is really messing with Chris Law's <laughs> fantasy plans. I think the goods would respect that. Or not. When you have a larger audience and you know that the commissioner might be tuning in to watch the Rich Eisen show, will you go ahead and call, and call him, him the goods? goods. You know what? <laughs> okay, you're not an employee anymore. You know what? The Super Bowl. Will you go ahead and call him the goods? Do you know about this at the Super Bowl party? Yeah, yeah. We used it in the show. I know. You you went into photo booth. The photo. I, I know that. Roger, I know you're tight with the goods. I'm good with Roger and, I, Roger and me. Just know? remember, with you guys having flown the coop, I'm still an NFL employee. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. That's true. That's true. We don't so I've got to, I still, you know. So this is like via proxy or not allowed? I don't know. To... I don't know. We'll find out. This is, as you know, uncharted territory. Dip our toes. We're sailing but blind here. Johnny Manziel. By the way, I took Manziel with my 15th with my last pick, just for just for kicks and giggles. Why not? I guess because I mean, Hoyer, that's part of this too. Is that offense looks horrible, 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 and some of the plays that you know that uh, son of Shanahan is dialing up. I would be interested. I to mean, act- again, it's preseason. You're not showing anything. Right, right, right. Blah blah blah. But why would you throw? Manziel, who is saying, I don't know if I'm ready for Pittsburgh yet. Why would you throw him out there against Dick LeBeau? Why would you do it? Now, it's possible that Hoyer gets popped quarter two and out comes Manziel, and you now have to throw him in there. But Mike Pettin, I love how he was saying, you know, after the the second preseason game, that they're going to name that starter before the third preseason game (laughs) for sure. And the reason why he said is because he wanted to cut the number of quarterbacks questions he was receiving down by 90%. That's one of my favorite sound bites that I saw this summer. I want to cut it down by 90% and then proceeded to not name a starter and then proceeded to go into that third preseason game, right? right. Um, or no, it was the second preseason game, right? He was went into that game with the RG3 Manziel game and that they were going to go ahead and, and rotate, rotate and right? Like, to like two series, two series, two series for each guy. Right. And then he did the same thing in the third game. And now it's Hoyer's gig. For now. And it's Hoyer's gig. And Mary uh, one, um, Mary Kay Cabot? Yeah, Mary Kay Cabot. This was another great tweet that, that Peter King put in his Monday morning quarterback. Said Manziel lost the, began to lose the job when he went partying after the draft. And, so and, and right, up on th- right up through the middle finger, the bird that he flipped – to the Washington hey, sideline. I mean, Peyton's getting uh, – what's he getting? Uh, penalties for 
headbutting um, uh, DJ Swearinger and coming and taunting. Dude, what, what a fish story that is. He taunting. didn't headbutt him. He came down and led he with his. He did not headbutt he him. He led and with listen, that. By the way, with that noggin, right. you'll know if he's headbutting somebody. <laughs> Okay. I just think I'm with Brockman on this. Let the guy be the guy. You knew what you drafted. Right. You know what they got. I think it's the best thing for him. He's not, not playing. Not if he's a hot mess. That's what I mean. If, if it, not if, if he he's is, a hot mess. Look, they don't, know. But they, don't put him out. Here's there. what we don't know. He's a hot media mess. Here's what we don't know. What they know. Right. Well, we, we don't know what they know. We, we don't. We know Le'Veon Bell and Legarrette Blunt were smoking a doobie in a in a car. An hour, a day before a game, and two hours before a team flight, and they're playing, and no one's even talking about it this week. We're still talking about Manziel. No, no people are talking about that. Night. People are talking about it. People it, are talking about why why Tomlin went ahead and played him, and 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 he said that it would have been punishment to not have them play. And I think that was a poor way of communicating. <laughs> is that for this team trying to get ready for the season? They needed them out. They there. needed the reps with <laughs> yeah. the offensive line and the running game. Right. Needed them out there. And we'll deal with them accordingly, meaning they'll stagger, apparently, their I, suspensions I'm once curious, the regular I'm season curious. hits. But Manziel not starting makes sense. I, I agree. It makes sense, even though we were, we were saying that and he would be the And we also don't starter, know but. what they know. That always happens in the NFL. And I just love that Pettin, who wanted to cut down the number of quarterback questions he receives by 90%, <laughs> names Hoyer the starter. And then the next day says a two-quarterback system is on the table, which restored the 90%. Probably probably, <laughs> probably in- increased it <laughs> by 90%. And to me, what I think that meant was, hey, Dick LeBeau, if you're going to spend even five minutes in your preps for week one over a package that we know doesn't really exist, that's a win. Because, as you know, Pettin's a former defensive coordinator. We call that the Tebow package, right? It's the Tebow package, which, by the way, get ready for that package to be discussed well, for Je- St. Louis to get. Re- and Rex we- Ryan sprinkled the same thing with Vic, saying, oh, we could use him in some two. Yeah. Systems. Has that been thrown out there, Tebow to the Rams? Oh, you haven't read that on Twitter already? I was checked. I was flying yesterday. I didn't see uh, it. I mean, I don't know if there's anything real or not. <laughs> Boy. That you know, I mean, there's so much going on. Cam Newton with cracked ribs. What else? I mean, are, are we, what, are, what are we missing? Um, I mean, there's just so much happening right. with week Robert, three. In the how, p- about, how about so speaking of Robert Griffin, they look like a mess, too, in Washington. Well, Kirk Cousins is now apparently. Well, I mean, his what, name's that's floating That's what, that's what uh, our, our buddy uh, Joey T says should happen. You know, maybe maybe less need should trade for RG3. Matt Castle's just named, restore named it all. the starter in that's Minnesota. Right. You can't, you which, yeah, which, is the, which means with Castle starting in Minnesota, we assume Henny. Has Henny been, been announced the starter? I believe like he was officially announced, announced yeah, the starter. I mean, Blake Bortles sure has I looked I know. amazing. So, But they're going to stick to their plan, which is to sit him. By the way, so I, re- it, I respect that, to not cave into the yeah. media and fan pressure and start Bortles. I mean, yeah. they had a plan coming out of the mm-hmm. draft, and they're sticking with it. So with Henny, with Henny being the guy in Jacksonville and with – um, Hoyer being the guy in Cleveland, and with Shaw being the guy in Oakland, oh, and he's got with in his elbow, and with Castle being the guy in Minnesota, that means zero starting quarterbacks week one from this year's quarterback draft class. Last time that happened, 2007, the draft class headlined by Jamarcus, Brady Quinn, Kevin Cobb, all three out of the league. <laughs> No, Quinn's no, in, Brady Quinn's Quinn's in, in Miami. 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 That's right. Yeah, that's right. what right. goes right. around comes around. 
So there you have it. Wow. And, yeah, Schaub's looked terrible. That's week one against the Jets, whose defense has looked good, despite the fact that Dimitri Patterson, their number one cornerback, because D. Milliner's hurt, went AWOL, although he said he didn't. He didn't show for the Jet Giant Snoopy Bowl on Friday. Didn't show. And the Jets were wondering where he was. I mean, did he not know? And he says that he didn't go AWOL. He's a 10-year veteran. He didn't. Where was he? He told that to the media. Ten minutes later, John Isaac, the general manager, comes out and says he's suspended indefinitely until we can figure this whole thing out. I mean, what in the world is going on? What in the the world? It's the preseason, too. Is going on. Games don't even count yet. Is Bill Cower on the phone? Bill Cower is dialing in right now. Okay. The the man of of, uh, CBS, uh, the NFL Today, as well as Thursday Night Football. He's going to be sitting out there with James Brown and Deion Sanders, getting you ready for kickoff. I was hanging with the man in New York last week. And uh, he's on the phone right now. Joining on the Rich Eisen podcast, as promised, is Bill Cower of CBS Sports. How are you there, Bill? Doing great, Rich. How are you doing? I'm fine. Is it still? Is it still? You used to that being referred to as somebody from a television network, as opposed to an actual football team. You used to that. By you know me? what? I keep. I've been called coach the, my entire life since I became a coach. So it just, I'm just on TV now. You just can't associate wins and losses with me right now. Is that? Yeah, I know Mooch, as you know. I told you this when I saw you at that symposium. Mooch, though, during the games, because, you know, I know you've been in the studio mostly. I know you did one game last year in the booth. But on the sideline, once you're done with your pregame show, you'll be standing right there on the sideline. And Mooch, Mariucci, we have seen him. He gets down on his – he puts his hands on his knees, and he bends down right at the line of scrimmage. And he's going up to side judges, and he's tapping them on the back, and he's trying to find out what the call was. And he's he transports himself right back to it, Coach. He does that. And, and, and you know what, Rich? It's hard to get it out of your system. I know the only time I've been on the sideline was when uh, CBS has done the Super Bowl. I've been to two of them there. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I know where he's coming from from that perspective. So I'm really looking forward to this year. You know, kind of getting that same kind of uh, feel in the in, in the blood uh, mm-hmm. anytime you're on the sideline, particularly in the warm-up. So what do you think Jeff Fisher's going through right now? Well, it's you know, it's your worst-case scenario, obviously, is your starting quarterback. And I think Jeff said it today, you know, uh, he feels worse for Sam. I mean, he worked so hard to get back. I know he was having a very good camp. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's the reality of the National Football League. And unfortunately, at that position, um, you know, that's what you have to be able to be prepared for. Now, I'm sure that, you know, they're going to sit down and assess where they are. You don't want to make a rash decision. And certainly the first reaction is Sean Hill is our guy. But then I think at this point what you have to be able to do is make sure that you exhaust every resource. Um, you know, I look around it, and to be honest with you, um, it just seems very natural to me to reach out to Philadelphia for Mark Sanchez. Um, number one, you're reunited with Brian Schottenheimer. I look at the St. Louis Rams team, and you just have to wonder, is this not a little bit of a remaking of the two teams that he took to the AFC Championship games with the Jets? Uh, the running game, strong defense. Uh, I think this team is probably a little better tooled uh, for that. Um, it is a tough division, but he does have some experience with the terminology. And for nothing else, it, it doesn't leave this football team, even if Sean Hill is a guy, you know, at the expense of one position when it's pretty well told all around him if something happens to Sean Hill. 
Well, what if you're if you're Chip Kelly? Why would they? Because I have a couple of thoughts that I've mentioned earlier on in the show. I'm gonna bounce off you right now. Number one is if you're Chip Kelly, why would you give up Sanchez when you know uh, from the nature of the business? You even saw last year Foles got dinged up. Uh, Vic went out to bring Foles in. At the the nature of the position is that your backup's going to play. Why would they go ahead and cough up Sanchez to the Rams? Well, I mean, I, I think again, it's, it's the asking price is going to be very high. Um, you know, are you? Would you take a second round pick? Um, and again, Chip Kelly may be sitting here looking at the same thing too. But you know, he, you know, I guess the question I ask is, how good do you feel about Matt Barkley? Um, you know, so I think again, it's it, it comes down to again that that third quarterback. If he feels Matt Barkley uh, could be a suitable backup, if if the Rams are willing, to, if they're willing to get a second round pick from a team that, you know, quite frankly, it, you know, they were nine and seven last year. That you know, in the toughest division of football, this potentially could be a a, a big pick, um, a high pick. So again, you know, I'm not saying they would. And you're right. It's you know, you don't want to weaken your team. But, again, I think what St. Louis would have to do is, is make them an offer they couldn't refuse. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I think it would be very, very high priced because I do agree that Chip Kelly um, would be, you know, again, based on how he feels about Matt Barkley, who is the third quarterback in Philadelphia, um, you know, then you make a decision accordingly. Well, secondly, though, I mean, I, I know this is an asylum and, and Sanchez is technically one of the inmates here. But um, – the last time Sanchez and Schottenheimer were teamed up, uh, it was a brutal season that included Sanchez running into the behind of one of his guards in front of the entire national audience gathered on a Thanksgiving night. Why, why in the world would he want to go back after having been freed from that and starting fresh in this offense? Why, why would he want any part of that? That's my thought. So this, well, this offense is so much better than the one he had then. Um, this is a better offensive line. He's got a couple good running backs. He's got a very good um, uh, group of receivers. Um, so I think this is a much more talented offense than the one he had before, and I think the defense is also a much better one. So, you know, again, I think it's a, it, it, you know, I, he won't have much to say with this. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, because, you know, he'll be the recipient. But, um, you know, I, I think for him, um, again, I think Mark, whether it's there or anything else, almost I watch him in his preseason. It's almost like I think almost a little bit of the weight of the world taken off his shoulders. I think he's more comfortable in a backup role. Uh, he does look comfortable in this offense. Um, and uh, you know, like I said, I think again, if you're Jeff Fisher, you're just looking at all your options. Um, you just don't want to be held hostage by potentially turning this over to a backup quarterback who's never played in the National Football League, and that's where they are right now. What do you think Mike Pettin's thought process was choosing Hoyer over Manziel? Uh, I think there's, you know, I've always said this, Rich, and I think only he knows the pulse of the locker room, you know. I think there's a sense, you know, in that locker room that Johnny Manziel may not be ready, um, which, you know, from even from just a maturity standpoint. And, yeah, at the same time, the offense hasn't looked, as well under either one of them. I think they're going through a little bit of a growing process, but I think the bottom line is that Brian Hoyer is the experienced guy. Um, he has probably a better sense of where they are offensively. And I think, again, I've said this before, when you, when you, no one really wins a position. I think as a head coach, and I was in that position before many times, is you then pick your starter based on who you think is best coming off the bench if that guy does not 
uh, work out because you want to see someone coming off the bench that gives your team a spark, and I think that's a perfect position for Johnny Manziel. Now, they may put a package of plays together to get him involved, to get him a feel of the sense of the speed of the game, and I think that's also smart because put him in a situation where he's comfortable, at least initially, because the, the speed of the game, even in a preseason, um, is not going to match what it's going to be like in a regular season game. So uh, put him in a level of comfort, a package of plays that's meant for him, and in the meantime, Brian Hoyer runs that offense. And they're going to have to rely on a running game and a defense anyway because they don't have a great core group of receivers, and you and I talked about that. Yeah. It, it's, it's pretty brutal, whoever's going to be at the controls of that right now. Yes. I mean, as we watched that game, too, uh, with uh, Washington on that, that was the Monday night game as we were all part of that symposium in New York City with CBS and the NFL Network um, singing Kumbaya together for two days. Um, And we were watching that game, too. What do you think of the quarterback situation in Washington? Joe Theismann's already banging the drum for Kirk Cousins, saying he looks more comfortable in RG3. Would you agree with that assessment? Um, I, 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 it's hard not to. I mean, but again, you know, I think if Kirk Cousins starts the game and goes against the ones, we have to assess them. You've got to make sure they're being put in the same situation. Like, it's really hard to assess. You know, we keep looking at Blake Bortles, who's, who hasn't really startled. He's coming in for Chad Henney. I mean, I think it's one thing to start a game, to lead a team, and, and uh, I think Kirk Cousins is, is a great um, guy to have behind RG3. You know, just watching him a little bit, even in that game, we saw he scrambled, you saw him limping a little bit. I think there's going to be just a case of comfort that RG3 is going to have to get back into to, to take a hit, to get back into the mix of things. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the, the, the preseason, um, again, yeah, I, Kirk Cousins has played very well. But I think still RG3 is, is that starting quarterback. That, that is his team. And, uh, and I think they'll continue to get better. I think, it's again, it's a new offense, and uh, you're not going to come out looking sharp from, from day one. But uh, you know, I, I think it, uh, you know, Jay Gruden, who, who's running that offense, will have a, have, will have a good feel for, for who gives him the best chance to be successful. I still think it's RG3. With Bortles, a lot of people are mentioning the name of Roethlisberger, who you know obviously very well. Would you agree with that assessment? Uh, he reminded me some of him. You know what, Rich? When I saw him getting ready for the for the for the draft, um, you know, he has that presence. Um, you know, very tall, tall in the pocket, good athlete, strong. Um, I think he's played. He's come along and played uh, uh, very well in the preseason. Um, uh, I, I like where they are with him. You know, I think again, you know, putting him in their position. I think he's another guy. He's played very well coming in off the bench. I know it's a preseason. Um, and I think they won't hesitate if they if they start to struggle. But I like going into the season kind of the same way we went into the season with Ben. You know, Ben wasn't uh, scheduled to start for us. No, we had Tommy Maddox, and uh, uh, thanks to my uh, my Sunday cohort uh, Bart Scott, who knocked out Tommy Maddox, he made that uh, <laughs> process quicker. Uh, we knocked him out in week two, and uh, he started from uh, week three on. So you never know when that time's going to come. But uh, I like where they're bringing him along right now. Yeah, that led to one of the quotes of the decade from Alan Fanica, who basically said, well, there goes the season, right? Here yeah. comes a rookie, Roethlisberger. And then, and then what Ben did uh, and, and how he performed is the, the, the thing that I think Rams fans are probably going to try and hang their hat on right now, even though they do have, the, I guess, the poster guy for that and Kirk Warner. Just you never know in the NFL. You just absolutely never know. 
No, you, you really don't. And I think the biggest thing, and, and it's like I said, even even up in Cleveland, I said, you know, you have, you went out and got a Ben Tate. I like Derek West. I have a very good defense. Now, it's a very tough division they play in. But no matter who you are, quarterback, or your rookie quarterback, you know, one of the best things you have going for you, if you can walk into, is having a good defense and a good running game and a good offensive line. Ben had that that year. And, you know, and I think then the more comfortable you become and you try to keep his throws to the 20 to 25 if you can. And then you do a little bit more as they become more comfortable. And I think, again, that, that's the approach that Jeff will take with Sean Hill, even though he is a veteran. Um, it's not going to be so much uh, relying on him as much as it is relying on all the pieces around him. But, uh, you know, again, I think as you look at all the quarterbacks as, as it unfolds and, and you, we see Matt Castle being named uh, the starter in Minnesota, um, you know, and, and Bridgewater backing up. So, you know, you see a lot of young quarterbacks coming in, and I, I like the way some of these coaches are, are approaching it. And, and um, your successor in Pittsburgh had an interesting situation crop up where his top two running backs – were busted um, with uh, with pot in the car, and then Mike Tomlin decided to play him in a preseason game, and got a lot of heat for that. You obviously know the Rooney family intimately as well. What do you think is going on there with that decision and moving forward in Pittsburgh? Well, I know they'll do the right things. I mean, you have uh, you know kind of a knucklehead move that they they make, and. Um, you know, whether it be the league stepping in or they will step in at some point, there'll be some degree of punishment, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, I think gathering all the facts, uh, they had them. And, uh, you know, Mike made his decision, I'm sure, as he sat down and talked with Art and Dan and Kevin Colbert. Uh, collectively, they decided to play them for that game. But it will be dealt with. It certainly is not condoned. Uh, Pittsburgh is not the type of place that uh, – you know, actions like that are, are are indicative of that organization. You know, people there, you're asked to be a part of the community um, and to be a leader in the community. And uh, for the most part, uh, I think that's been the case there for a long, long time. It starts at the very top with the Rooney. So their actions certainly will not be condoned. It will be dealt with accordingly. And like I said, I think they'll deal with uh, the league in terms of, of, of what's done there, and, and uh, they'll do the right thing. Why do you think he did play him, Coach? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I really don't know. I mean, I think that, you know, again, uh, maybe one of those things that, you know, if a penalty's coming down, that might have been the last chance for them, the guys, guys, those guys to get playing time. And, uh, uh, you know, um, I, I, I'm not exactly sure why. I'm sure that it was very late in the plan. Um, I know this week the plans are not to play a lot of people. Um, I know that for this, uh, this week's game, so um, it, that's hard to say. I'm not sure exactly what those internal discussions were, but uh, uh, to a degree I was surprised as well. Who's your, who's your surprise team this year? What are you pegging? What are you looking at? Well, yeah, they're, they're, I would say one from each division. I, I, I would say in the, in the NFC, um, I'm going to say Tampa Bay. Um, I, I really like their defense. Um, I think getting Doug Martin back, I think he's got a chance to be the comeback player of the year. Within that, I think he's – you get Mike Evans, you, Vincent, you, you, you get him out there with Vincent Jackson. Um, this is a good football team. And uh, if, if you know, they get some, some play from their quarterback and you know, Glennon's backing up right there and it's a division still that you know, I, I, I'm not sold at Carolina can repeat. I still think New Orleans is a team to beat. That's my sleeper in the NFC. In the AFC, I'm going to say Tennessee. Hmm. Um, I, I really like Ken Wisenhut, what he can do with young quarterbacks. Um, I think Locker, before he got hurt last year, was 3-1. and one. Um, And 
Uh, you know, I liked their backup, uh, the kid they got from uh, Metzenberger. Metzen? Yeah, Mettenberger. Yeah, Mettenberger from LSU. From LSU. Um, and I, I, I think they got a good running game. I think they're a passing game. They got Justin Hunter is a good uh, young receiver. I think they got a good offensive line. Um, and I think their defense is, is underrated. I, I, I like them, and I like the division they're in too. I mean, I think if you look at that division, uh, you know, um, right now Locker may be the second best quarterback. <laughs> right. And he just, you know, in that division. So um, I like Tennessee in the AFC and uh, Tampa Bay in the NFC. What about the to win those conferences? To go to the Super Bowl, who do you like preseason right now? Oh, it, you know, it's such a long way away, but, you know. I oh, really but that's like that's why we asked that really, question I, now. I know. I really like what New England did in the offseason. I just think that they've added some parts. Um, I think they've got better in their secondary. Um, I think Brandon LaFells was a great pickup. Uh, we do, everyone likes, I do like Denver, um, you know, again. But I think those two teams are still the cream of the crop. Um, I think when you look in the NFC, um, I you know I like New Orleans. I think there's so many weapons down there, and if they can keep their quarterback healthy, and I think that division uh, they're tough. Um, and uh, Seattle looks yeah, they really look great. Good, but, I mean, um, they look they look primed, coach. Yeah. I mean, and 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 they also look like they're not going through what what you also know you know would know firsthand is is making the Super Bowl or obviously winning the Super Bowl and and having to deal with the next year. You know, they don't know. They don't. They haven't lost anyone from their coaching staff. They've re-signed a lot of their guys. They haven't had really any holdouts, with the exception of, you know, Marshawn for for about seventy-two hours. They they they're healthy essentially. Uh, they they're not going to go through any. Of the, they don't have any of those hangover um, signs right now. No, I, I, I can't argue. It was all the factors that you just stated is is why it's, it's it's you know the only thing going against them is the fact that uh, history has shown how hard it is. And, right. You know, you talk about a good young quarterback, and you know, I've always said Andrew Luck is to me is the next guy. But boy, it's just hard to listen to and you watch a guy like Russell Wilson. You know, the the, the focus and attention to detail that he is, the leader that he's become out there, and kind of setting the bar for preparation and everything else that goes with that. And and uh, and Pete has done a fantastic job, I think, of just creating a great culture out there right now. You know, it's a hard place to win. I think they've lost one game in two years. Um, and, you know, like you said, it's, it, it, they, they, they do seem primed. So uh, they'll be a hard out, but uh, history has shown that yeah. uh, <laughs> it's a hard road to travel. When was the last time you got a call to coach? When was the last time that happened? The last time I got a call to coach? Yeah, saying, are you interested? You know. No, you know, I, you know, at the end of every year, I think there, there are people making inquiries, roundabout ways. But, you know, I, I really do like the job I have, um, enjoying it. Uh, even this year, adding on the Thursday night games, I'm going to really enjoy being there with you and and the crew. And and um, I, I really like I like my lifestyle right now, Rich. I really do. It's uh, it's a it's a it's a good gig. Um, I feel like still be a part of the NFL, but. It doesn't entail the uh, the, the all season long uh, demands that the head coaching does, but uh, you know I've never, never said never, but uh, I'm in a really good place right now. You win every week in your hey, job. I haven't lost a game in seven years. <laughs> and I and I think I could hear in the background as well. You're you're a New Yorker now, right? You're, you're... Yeah, I mean, I spend my time between New York and Raleigh, and so it uh, it is. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's been great. The chance of doing a lot of traveling in the off season and kind of gets you you get away from it for a little bit and uh, you don't have free agency you don't have the draft you don't have the OTAs you don't have training camp 
and uh, don't have to deal with the preseason cuts or preseason injuries or who's going to be your next quarterback. And all I know is we're gearing up for our first week, and I'm going to see you in Baltimore. Yes, you are. Our first first Thursday game uh, uh, against the Steelers. And as I discussed with you as well when we saw each other, um, it's one of the first of many stops with Dion for you in one of his in one of his former places of employment. And you'll find out sitting next to him the impact that he has in each one of those places is greater than the one that you had just visited. It's really ridiculous every single time. I certainly you're going to go. I think the first stop is Baltimore, where he went. And the second stop is Atlanta, yeah. where his number hangs from the rafters. I think. And the th- I, I am looking forward to that, and I'm just hopeful that he's a. I know we've had a chance to, to mingle in this offseason yes. and get a chance to talk a lot. Uh, I'm looking forward to working with him, and I'm looking for a shoulder for him first protection. Yeah. First week in Baltimore. Dude. Oh, he doesn't. He doesn't hit anybody. You know that. I no, mean, no, no. Know. But I need him to protect me. Oh, he's I not see. Be well liked in that. Uh, by the way, his third the third stop for us is Washington D.C., where he's still dead money. I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's 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 known everywhere for one reason or the other. I know. Hey, coach, I appreciate the time, and I do look forward to hanging with you uh, every Thursday night. That's going to be great. It was it really I was a too. fun time with you and the rest of the CBS crew. Um, it's it was a blast uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, and I I look forward to the season. I look forward to it too, Rich. I really do, and uh, I'll see you down in Baltimore. You and, uh, will. In week two. That's right. That's right. September 11th is the first game of uh, of Thursday Night Football on CBS and the NFL Network. Coach Bill Cower, thanks for calling in the Rich Eisen Podcast. There you have it. I think that was his first time calling in. Did he ever? Has he ever called in? I don't think so either, actually. Coach's first time on the show. I did hear a never say never there, though. They all say that. Yeah, well. Mariucci says that. He likes his lifestyle right now, he said. Let me tell you something. Certainly, uh, from the experience of the last seven months, if you can have leverage, you have it. <laughs> Do I need to say any more? I don't think so. If he's going to go ahead and say, I'm never coaching again, and the next time his contract comes around, the Tiffany Network sits across from his agent when he's sitting there saying, I might coach again. He should say that. Plus, to be very honest with you, all these coaches, they're never out. They're never right. out. Never Look out. at Dick, Dick LeBeau's, what, seven Never out. Five? They're never out. It's in their blood. And if the right if the right situation hits, like what Pete Carroll's situation was, yep. now obviously why he went to Seattle, there's a lot of debate. But the bottom line is this. You get to go up there in the beautiful Pacific Northwest, and your owner basically says you, and you can handpick your guy, and you guys can handle the roster. And or he can come in and, and draft somebody that's new and fresh at the quarterback position, or it's a veteran that's just beginning to start his career. By the way, speaking of which, Bradford, by the way, is only 26. Yep. Think about that. But he missed a full year at Oklahoma with the broken clavicle. Uh, he just can't stay healthy. He can't stay healthy. And it's interesting. It's again, really too bad. He said he was surprised that Tomlin played him. But the bottom line is this, as he pointed out, too, like the next time that those guys, if one of those guys is out for week one, that would mean a full month of them not playing. Right, and he can handle the heat if the owners are saying, "Go ahead and play him if you want." I thought, I mean, Tomlin can handle that. And heat. I thought him saying Robert Griffin is the clear starter. I thought that was interesting too, because there's there's a lot of a lot of stuff coming out of Washington right now about that quarterback. Right, and Gruden says there's not a controversy, but Theismann says Cousins should get time. I mean, I mean RG three. That's his. That's his team. They got to they go with him, and they're going to go well, with him. Well, you have to. I mean, you're, you're I mean, the, His first season wasn't a fluke, was it? 
maybe it was. He blew out his knee. He's coming back from a knee injury. You know, quarterback, even your own Tom Brady wasn't the uh, same the year later. He was not. But he plays the game so recklessly. Like, he doesn't care about his own body. In, it's the preseason, and he's not sliding. Like, how is this so difficult? He's a product of Kyle Shanahan's impeccable offensive coordinating that first year. <laughs> clearly. Hey, that couldn't have been a fluke. <laughs> they won a division. They won They won an absurd number. Was nine in a row to, to finish the season? They did. Yeah, they were three and six. After, after, after Mike Shanahan right. said that he row. was evaluating who would be on the team the rest of the season. And uh, uh, one more uh, piece of news that uh, before we get to Ian Dark phoning in from uh, across the pond, Richie Incognito visiting Tampa. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I didn't say anything other than just Tampa. Richie Incognito in Tampa. There's a lot of places there to hold offensive line meetings. There are. Aren't there? <laughs> Offsite. I've heard. You know what I mean? I, I do know. Do what you, you mean. know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Oh, I got you. Fine establishments to hold lunchtime offensive what line could meetings. could possibly go wrong? Jesus. Blocking schemes discussed. Various places. There's many different places. If one wants to do that. Great buffets. Inclined. Yes, indeed. Steaks. To talk about to talk about zone schemes, if one wanted to, great spot for incognito. Great spot. I mean, Ted Wells's head just exploded. <laughs> if Ted knew the Tampa scene, I'm assuming you know Ted. Ted might not know Tampa St. Pete, Rich. It ah, extends all the way. Yes, indeed. St. Petersburg. Is Ian Dark on the phone? Uh, Ian Dark is on the line. All it right. is an international call. So Let's get right to, to this quick. <laughs> As I've mentioned on this show many times and uh, earlier today, um, this uh, next guest I've been uh, eager to have on for weeks because I'm such a huge fan of his work. He's essentially the voice of uh, soccer or football on ESPN. You've enjoyed his calls uh, of this World Cup on many World Cups and our UK fan base that downloads this podcast it certainly knows who uh, this guest is. I'm pleased to have on the Rich Eisen podcast, Ian Dark. How are you, Ian? Great pleasure to be on. Very well indeed. Thank you, Rich. I don't know if you're aware, if I'm breaking news, but I believe Germany just scored on Brazil again. I think that just did happen. I don't know if you're aware of that. (laughs) Well, they're making a habit of it. I mean, that game at the World Cup was the most astonishing half of soccer I think we've ever witnessed in the history of the the competition. I think I said on the on the broadcast on ESPN, that, that scoreline at the top of your picture there um, is, is not a work of fiction. That really is right. <laughs> well, I mean, you and McManaman really let loose. I mean, you did not hide your thoughts, your feelings. You just really put it out on the line. You told it like it was, like you were seeing. What was your, what was it like going through and calling a match that was, as you put it, so astonishing? What was it like for you? Well, it was gobsmacking, really, I think is the word. We were virtually open-mouthed, not not speechless, thankfully, Rich. Um, We were able to articulate it, but it just goes to show, I think, that broadcasting, as you well know, um, you can never really script it. It is an unscripted, ad-libbed drama, and what we witnessed there, nobody could have ever 
foreseen. So you have to be ready for anything. And the fact that they scored, I think it was five goals in the space of 18 minutes, mm. um, I think was mind-blowing. And I felt so sorry, really, for the Brazilian nation and the Brazilian fans who were letting off fireworks every time their team had scored in the tournament till then. They hoped so much to win that World Cup, and it was all evaporating in front of their <laughs> eyes. So, yeah. yeah, they were crying. Yeah, I mean, they, the they were in tears. things I think I've ever covered. Yeah, they were in tears. I mean, and we we were, you know, I guess as a as a fan base, um, I, I, enthralled by the entire tournament, and certainly, you know, the way the the U.S. team was performing uh, helped matters in that regard. And the thing I loved about your call, Ian, of the U.S. games was it was obvious that you were cognizant of uh, of the nationalistic feelings that the U.S. fan was, um, I guess, uh, experiencing. But you also didn't just start flag-waving in a way. You, you also kept your, your, your feet grounded in the reality of the situation. And I found that mix uh, just fantastic. And, and, and certainly you were also bringing the sport to a fan base that might not be well-versed in what, what it was seeing. Uh, I'm wondering what your philosophy was going into those games. Well, I don't think the audience, uh, on whatever sport uh, and whatever time and whatever tournament it might be, want cheerleaders behind the microphone. I think that can be with the fans at home. At the same time, I was very conscious of the fact, and we were we were getting word about the fact that people were cancelling their lunch hours in, in Wall Street to go, to go and watch soccer, unheard of just a few years ago, maybe even one year ago, that there were thousands upon thousands in, in, in Chicago at Soldier Field at one point. That the nation was not coming to a standstill. I wouldn't go that far, but certainly everybody was pretty hooked into what was going on. So... When you're doing that, you're thinking, yeah, that, that, that's who the audience is, but you've got to call it like it is. And, you know, I think we said that Germany were outclassing the USA generally, and so did Belgium for a lot of the game. But my goodness me, what a fantastic effort Jurgen Klinsmann's team put in there. And, you know, something was said, in, in, in I know... U.S. soccer fans are always worried about how they're regarded uh, in the rest of the world, but they think that the rest of the world think they're a bit of a joke as, as a soccer nation. <laughs> well, when they were knocked out of the tournament, the Daily Telegraph in London uh, came up with a great line. I thought that summed it up. It said the USA um, might, be, might, might be leaving this tournament, but they've truly arrived here. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, it was a big breakthrough, um, and I think the next time it's going to be even bigger again. And I think you know, it's, it was a breakthrough, and I can see the sport growing. I don't think it's ever going to cha- challenge NFL or, or the baseball or the basketball, maybe not even the hockey, but I think there's room for soccer in that landscape. Yeah, I mean, it was just it was such a spectacle. And, um, you know, uh, uh, certainly, as you pointed out, all of these stadiums like Soldier Field being packed full of people. I do have to let you know that at Wall Street, uh, canceling lunches uh, are, are happen all the time. And uh, that, that's two, two martinis, three martini lunches. That's where they were created. Ian, you know what I mean? <laughs> they, may, they may have lunches like that every day, for yes. all I know, in Wall Street. Yes, I've, the... I've never been good enough to work there. <laughs> Me neither. But, yes, the World Cup is every day on Wall Street, essentially. 
you know, with without the Vuvuzelas, you know, half the time. Um, so in terms of um, calling the action and and your career, who who I guess um, who's your, who's I guess who's your idol? Who did who in the uh, in in the media world did you uh, grow up looking and saying that maybe I want to do that one day? Well, I'm told that when I was at school, um, I, I used to stand around uh, when I wasn't actually playing, which was a lot of the time, uh, watching other games and, and commentating on the sidelines. It's a story that I've consistently denied, but my friends tell me that I definitely did that. And then when I was 18, I went to work for a hospital radio station uh, covering matches pl- played in my hometown uh, of Portsmouth on the south coast of England, and I was working alongside the local fire chief, and I must have commentated on 20 games, and then we were told at the end of the season that none of the patients had heard any of them. Um, <laughs> so we'd been talking to ourselves, but it was very good, it was very good experience and, and very good practice. And the rest of it, I've worked with some great broadcasters over the years, um, growing up at, at BBC Radio, people like Peter Jones and Brian Butler will certainly be known to, to any mm-hmm. English uh, fans who might be, be listening to you today, and I hope there are plenty of them. Uh, Desmond Lynham as well, who I work with a bit on, on boxing. Um, I learned a lot from him, his, his coolness and his composure under pressure, and made a lot of mistakes along the way, as we all have yes. in this business, because you're only seconds away from a disaster, as you, as you, as you well know. And, um, <laughs> you know, and you're still learning, still learning all the time. Never think that you've cracked it. Not so, for a second. So how did you get involved in boxing? Because I know a lot of fans in the U.K. know that, um, that you're um, uh, a boxing commentator and uh, a mutual friend or certainly a mutual colleague of ours, uh, Mike Tarico, says you are the best boxing announcer he's ever heard is what he texted me in preparation because I asked him about you this wow. week. Well, that's a, that's a tribute indeed coming from Mike. I'd never make uh, any such claim <laughs> about myself, not for one moment. Um, I, I first covered boxing almost by accident because the guy who used to cover it when I worked for the BBC radio uh, sports channel in London uh, went to television, uh, Desmond Lynham. He was very good. There was nobody else in that office who knew the first thing about it except me. I, I, I basically, I didn't know much, but I, I followed it. I kind of knew one fighter from another one. And the very first fight they sent me to was to Las Vegas to cover Muhammad Ali against Larry Holmes, mm. which turned out to be the saddest yes. thing I've ever witnessed it was muhammad ali disintegrating before your very eyes boxing fans will know the fight very very well and um i did a lot of reporting then so one of the very first people i ever interviewed in boxing was muhammad ali unbelievably so it was all downhill from there but most of my career i've covered boxing alongside um soccer but i'm at the moment um I don't have any boxing to cover. Well, I mean, there's not, to be very honest with you, in this, I don't know what's going on with that sport anyway. Um, I don't know. You well, know, that's sad, isn't it? That's yeah. sad, Rich, I think, what's happening to the sport in the USA. I spoke to a lot of the guys at ESPN there. You know, I've got to know very well my friends there, and they say they, they never see boxing nope. anymore. It's all on pay-per-view, most of the big fights, and um, it's just disappeared and vanished. And I think, you know, that... For me, America is, is the home of that sport, so it, what has happened is um, something of a sporting tragedy. What was it like interviewing Muhammad Ali? Well, just, just amazing. I, mean, I, I, I had no 
notion that I was about to do it. I wandered up to Angelo Dundee, a <laughs> famous trainer, yes. in the gym when I arrived in Las Vegas. I'd never been to America. I'd never been to Las Vegas even. Uh, <laughs> and, and said to him, do you think at some point this week I'd be able to get an interview with Muhammad Ali? And they, he shouted out, we've got this guy from England here. Muhammad, we got this guy from England. Uh, excuse my American accent. <laughs> and Muhammad Ali said, I love talking to guys from England. I want to talk to the guy from England. Let's bring the guy from England on. So I, I sort of tentatively asked him what, what he thought was going to happen in this fight with Larry Holmes, and I didn't need to ask any other That's questions. Right. <laughs> he, just, he just went into a performance. So I, I had some broadcasting gold on my machine, and it almost happened by error. Oh, my gosh. Maybe he thought you were the fifth Beatle, Ian. Maybe that's what he thought, you know. Maybe he did. He, yeah. he kept throwing left, imaginary left jabs at me <laughs> right the way through it, which sort of ended yeah. about an inch from my chin. Wow. And at the end of the interview, he, he said to me, because I didn't flinch, he said, not bad, kid. <laughs> that, that is high praise, certainly from <laughs> Muhammad Ali. Were you at Hagler Hearns also? Yeah, I was at that fight, and uh, I've never seen a better one, and I've never had a, a better atmosphere. It only lasted, I think, for about eight minutes, but it was eight minutes of fury and mayhem, and I think... Uh, any boxing fan who hasn't seen that mm-hmm. needs to get the tape and quickly. Yeah. What do you make of uh, the NFL's popularity in the, the, the U.K.? There's three games coming this year. The International Series, as the NFL has termed it, um, you know, uh, it, the NFL has been going to the UK, certainly, um, in the preseason back in the mid eighties. And now it's, it's there, uh, and Wembley going to be three times this year. Boots on the ground there, Ian, how, how popular do you see the NFL becoming or being in the UK right now? Well, I wouldn't be pretend to be an expert in it, Rich. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, I know this, every time they put it on at Wembley in London and it holds something like 90,000 fans there it sells out so that's why they keep putting more events on there and i can see the day and i'm pretty sure this is going to happen somewhere down the line that there will be a london-based team mm. in nfl i think i i think the american players love coming over and playing that's what i gather anyway in the same way that i could see possibly maybe five ten years time there might be the odd big premier league game played in the United States of America, because what was it? I think 109,000 yeah. saw Manchester United play Real Madrid my alma mater. in Ann Arbor, Michigan mm-hmm. the other week. So the interest is definitely there, and, and all the sports are becoming more global. So, yeah, there's, there's a growing following, a huge cult following for, for NFL in, in the U.K. Well, where is it in the tabloids? I mean, are, do, do the tabloids cover or the sports sections cover it as, uh, as intensely once the games come there? I mean, if the answer is no, I'm, I'm, that's, that's fine, too. I'm just curious as to what it, what it, what it, what it, how it resonates, because uh, I know there's some, some Americans who live over there that, that can't get enough of it, um, and I know that there are some Brits who can't get enough of it. I'm just trying to see how, how much it's being uh, absorbed by the, I guess, the, the culture the sports culture there? Um, I don't think on a day-to-day basis you're going to be reading a lot about it Mm -hmm. in the English press. But the problem, really, with the English press is that the Premier League has become so all-consuming that it absolutely dominates the coverage. And it's pretty hard for the other English sports to get a look in as well because of that. So uh, let alone a sport that's trying to kind of nudge in and and make its way um, as it is 
in England. But I don't think that is a reflection of the fact that there's no interest in it. And I think when there are big stories uh, from NFL, you will find pieces about them, in, in the, usually in the, the heavier papers like the Daily Telegraph and, and the Guardian mm-hmm. um, and the Times. Yeah, but so, so would you suggest, in order to break through, that an NFL player bite another guy on the shoulder <laughs> when everyone's watching, even though you know helmet and shoulder pads would make that very difficult uh, in the process? Would you suggest that take place, Ian? <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't think it'd be too original after what Luis Suarez <laughs> has been up to and, and making a habit. They might need to do something a bit more arresting than that. But I take your point. Mm-hmm. Um, you wouldn't want to see it take off because of some uh, vague publicity gimmick no. like that. I think it, it can take off under its own steam and because of its own magnetism. What was it like, last question for you, going to Manaus, what was it like going to a rainforest this year to call a match for the World Cup? Well, it was an incredible experience, really. It was, it was a, a four-and-a-half-hour flight uh, in pretty cramped conditions, first of all. And when we were coming in there, we were, I made sure I had a window seat. I requested one, and I actually got one. One of the few times I did get the seat I, I wanted on a plane in Brazil, but that's wow. another story. Yes. And looking out, there was this huge expanse of water um, as we were coming into land, uh, and I said to the guy next to me who, who knew the terrain, um, I said, where, where, where's the Amazon here, expecting to see some uh, river with overhanging trees yes. and amazing forests. He said, no, that's the Amazon there. It's three miles wide here. So that was the first thing. Um, it was just an amazing sight. And when you, you got off, you were hit by an incredible heat and humidity. How the players managed to play 90 minutes at the pace of a World Cup soccer match there, I will never know. But mm. they did. And, of course, the, the U.S. had to play there and played very well indeed as well on that occasion. But it was... Um, a difficult assignment there, and I'll say one thing, though. I think probably in that place more than any other, and it, it wasn't a, a, a soccer town. They don't have a big team there. They really embraced it. They absolutely loved having the World Cup there. There were flags and bunting everywhere. Um, so, it, yeah, looking back on it, it's just incredible that we were, we were out there and more or less playing in this city, which is a vast clearing in the jungle, um, to watch, to watch this game and broadcast it back to the U.S. Well, uh, I think I speak to for every U.S. sports fan, and my, my two producers are here nodding right now as well, Ian, because they know where I'm going with this. We loved listening to you, and um, you're a big game voice. You're as big game voice as there is anybody that does anything on any sport. And when you were behind the mic for these, for these events, it felt like um, sitting on the couch with you. You made it that easy and that enjoyable. And um, that's not easy to do in this profession, as you know. So I just wanted – that's part of the reason why I wanted to just call you up and tell you that and how much I enjoyed that. Well, that's so. a very, very handsome compliment for which I thank you very much indeed. And uh, I certainly enjoyed uh, doing the broadcast back to the U.S. And you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to, in a way, to, to thank everybody in, in America for treating this Brit um, so 
very, very well since I started broadcasting for ESPN. Well, you bet, Ian. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate that. Um, and this is a trunk call. Is that what we would call it? Is that what this would be? <laughs> I think even that's an old-fashioned term oh, in English. <laughs> Money. Okay, so, so uh, I'm an idiot then. Yeah, it's a, it's a long-distance long call, but I've enjoyed it, Rich. Likewise. And, uh, Every success to you as Thank well. You. Not that you need my good wishes from everything I hear. No, I appreciate that, Ian. Thanks again for calling in, and um, ho- hopefully we get to cross paths sometime soon. Anytime. You bet. That's Ian Dark phoning in from London here on the Rich Eisen Podcast. Ian Dark, everybody. That was a lot of fun. So good. I would still love to hear him call an NFL game. It would be cool. Like, like I said before, I just want to hear him say equalizer. The equalizer? Yeah. Dispossessed of the football? What other words can we? Oh, well, he did. He did not say cheeky. What was? What was he one didn't of the say words? Cheeky. He said, no, you're right. Gobsmacked. <laughs> gobsmacked is the line. Well, Wouldn't the, that be great if somebody said for the Super Bowl, "I'm gobsmacked at how the Denver defense is being <laughs> pierced right by the relentless Seattle attack," right? What does that sound? Does that sound right? It's cool. It sounds close. You have to get the we international can, listeners. We can get you a dialect you coach on that. Um, the uh, three games this year, though, in case people have forgotten, because there are three this year. Yes. Uh, week four. Yes. The Raiders versus the Dolphins. West Coast swing all the way. Yeah. But then they have a the bye pond. week after, right? They do. Um, Everybody has a bye week after. After the London, London game. Yeah. Week eight, Falcons versus the Lions, and then week ten, Cowboys Jaguars. Now the week eight game, Falcons and Lions is because the other games are are one o'clock eastern time for you know the united states audiences right right, the one o'clock eastern time because that is six o'clock in london so it's a night game they wanted the league to give the folks in london a more fan-friendly start time although six o'clock is you know is a night game they wanted to give them the experience of a day game that week eight lions Falcons game starts at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. 6.30 Pacific? Yes. That week, game day morning will be competing against an actual football game. Well, the- wow. And, and the folks in the Eastern time zone will experience what all of us here on the West That's Coast right. experience, which is for some of us, not you know, with three kids, somebody like you with no children, Brockman, rolling out of bed. <laughs> And watching an NFL game at 9.30 in the morning. I'll be at the pub this, the this Saturday at 5.30 a.m. Where are you going to be? I'm going to have to watch the game from home here. Uh, yes, a lot the of international pub? listeners have been tweeting about when I'm coming over for UK here. I but come. the Rich Eisen show has scuttled. That and the Icelandic <clears throat> volcano that's the, about to erupt and potentially ruin that entire Penn State-Central Florida game in Ireland. Yes. So Those be, two things scrapped your 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 Ireland trip. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be at a local watering hole at 5:30 uh Saturday morning AM to watch it cuz it kicks off at 12:30 local time there at uh, the Croke Park Classic in Dublin. And I will be this coming Saturday biting my fingernails down to the cuticles because it's Appalachian State <laughs> at the big house, right? Do you I don't want to remember it. Do you have a wager with DJ, with Daniel Jeremiah? Um, former I'd be Appalachian more than, as State you know as you know here at the National Football League, the word wager I don't understand what you mean. Friendly, I don't understand what you talk about. I, I turn into the unfrozen caveman lawyer when those things happen. I say, "What uh, your terms confuse me?" Uh, yes. If you're saying that I will then make some sort of uh, arrangement with Daniel Jeremiah, I'll be more than happy to do so. All right, I think I'm more than happy to do I so. Think at least a I'll tell you what, Twitter avatar. Lightning ain't striking twice, no. and you can you can rip that one and hang it up on whatever <laughs> bulletin board. Lightning ain't striking twice.
And yeah, you can put. Uh, hopefully, that will not be a cut and paste in our next week's program. No, not at all. <laughs> You'll be. That will not be a cut and paste. All right. Before we uh, wrap things up, uh, I have called it uh, uh, many things. <laughs> yes, you um, have. That required bleeps uh, earlier on in this podcast. But what is the actual name of your idiotic fantasy? The football retired league? Orangeman Fantasy Football League. So it's all Syracuse. It actually people. is not. Uh, eight, I think eight of us are actually Syracuse people, and then when and we, there's six fill, others in this 14 team who who are not. Are, are they any were of these just, teams co-owned or what? Nope, no okay. co-owned, single owners. So it's a 14 team league. 14 which is team league. Idiotic on its face. Yeah. And and it's called something and it's 16. called something that only applies to a little bit more than fifty percent of the league. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Let me get all this straight. Yes. And then it is an auction. It's not an auction. Not auction. It's just a snake straight, draft. Straight snake, snake, snake draft. draft. Uh, order is determined by the previous year's finish. Place so finish. it's sort of like there is, to use the in dark phrase, a little bit of relegation in a way. A little bit. Yes. Okay. So, uh, and, or it's just like the regular national. It's just football. like the na- regular national okay. football league. And so. Uh, who came up with the idea of there being no time limits? Not me. Uh, I have been in favor of time limits for years. But uh, How many people in this we idiotic are a, fantasy We are league? a democracy. We have a commissioner, and uh, he, things get put to vote each year, and this gets voted down every year. Is it like so two-thirds it, majority, or is it 50-50 vote? What, what's going on? Uh, I'd have to look at our bylaws, which actually exist. For those who might be joining us for the first uh, time I, on I this podcast, I don't, I don't, for those who might be know. joining us for the first time on this podcast, including some people who are, who are physically here uh, present in the, in the uh, other side of the glass, Last year, one of your idiot friends. Yes, Jason Sherman. Jason Sherman. From Staten Island, New York. Hey, my hometown. Absolutely. Forget about it. Forget about it. So this do not <laughs> yep. goes ahead and took 26 actual minutes real, on planet Earth. Real time, real actual, actual minutes. minutes. Yep. 26 minutes yep. while the rest of you fools sat around and watched sat him and do whatever it took him to come up with 26 took. minutes yep. to choose Brian Hartline. With all due respect to Mr. Hartline, yes. And then, that was in the eighth round, and then did How many not, rounds? 15. Okay. Well the, well, the first two rounds are keepers, so actually only 13 oh. live draft oh, rounds. Oh, that's a time saver right, right there. Right, of course. <laughs> hey, let, let's, let's reset here a little bit. 14 guys in the league. 14 guys. No, no time clock. No Let's time clock. Let's do a little clock. over under. How many of these guys are married? Yeah. Have a girlfriend or have kids? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, Rich. I'm gonna say two are married. Oh no, no, no. It's got to be more than that. Like ten are married. Let me tell you something. Speaking as a, nine, mar- nine, a married nine, man nine, with children, nine or a, ten are married. Speaking as a married man with children. Okay. I don't have eight seconds to do what I want to do. In <laughs> I don't have eight seconds, right? Do you know how many times I'm like, oh, yes, this is peace and quiet. Five seconds later, somebody's screaming in the house, right? I don't have eight seconds. I don't have eight minutes. Oh, sometimes, sometimes I don't have any even fraction of that time. But if I have time carved out in a different city to do what I want to do, it's the greatest thing of all time. So I don't know... If that's a good measuring stick, you may you may be correct. What is this is a good measuring stick though? Is as a father of three with very little time on my hands, as a, a husband and a father of three with very little time on my hands. What I wouldn't be doing if I'm in <laughs> Seattle is sitting in whatever cave you were sitting in, hotel, doing that stupidity. Hotel room. 
the, I would not. I would definitely not 11, be sitting around doing guys, that idiocy. Eleven guys made the trip. The three who couldn't go were married. One has three kids. Were they one, skyping in? What were they, they were doing? skyping in, and we had a conference call going, and I was updating the pics. In a, in could a you imagine out. skyping no, into like, an eight and a half hour? I could, I've, even done it, I've done it three times. Yeah, but you're you're single. You're single. I couldn't yeah, even imagine. You make it I've seem got, like single people don't have lives of their own too to spend on a Saturday. You don't have a life. All right. You have no life. <laughs> when it comes to this sort of thing. That's why they don't yeah. throw them going away parties. That's another point. Jesus. <laughs> Bringing it all full circle. <laughs> Law got two parties. They're seriously, like I said, ticker tape was brought in to say goodbye to him. And you got the old Laurel and Hardy handshake. I did. From Blazing Saddles, which you still haven't seen, have you? I've seen pizzas. Pieces uh, well, well the, the point is this right. that I have on that particular item. And then we'll get into the details of this before wrapping up the show. Is that. If I was doing this in my real-life world, I already have two drafts coming up, okay? One of which I will be doing on computer. That's got to be done after the kids are asleep. It's right. got to be. Of course. I mean, I've had drafts, I mean, look, I've had drafts with the kids we, doing all of this stuff right. going on. I, I know couldn't what imagine it's like at your house. Eight hours? The guy's carving out. You tell your wife? Yeah, but you're the out kids of town. For eight hours? Yeah, but but you're, no, you said three weren't. Three, three weren't. Three I couldn't weren't. even imagine doing that. One uh, one did uh, FaceTime in and had his kid make his selection for him. He selected right. Russell Wilson. Okay. So he, he's father of the year. <laughs> That's right. And long story short, was there uh, – what was the longest somebody took on a draft pick? You know, um, the, the, the second round went the longest. It went a little over an hour, and then kind of all the other ones were in the – 30 to 40 minute range. Like I said, it was eight hours. So nobody took a half minutes. an hour. Nobody took a half hour. Brian Hartline did get picked in the sixth round this year. Wow. I don't know how he, he improved. Some people are but, high on that Dolphin offense, man. But uh, anyway, it went off without a hitch. A lot of my friends were saying, because I was updating them as you were texting me throughout, that you were jealous that you couldn't be there or be involved in something like a this. A scurrilous rumor. Couldn't be more false. I wouldn't want any piece of that. Jealous. <laughs> they said you were jealous. I wouldn't want a single ounce of a piece. Of Although that. I did knock the burger draft pretty heavily, and then I I attended. And then in you person. attended the burger draft, and it was a hit. That's it. Correct. It's just ridiculous. Okay. Bottom line: Are you happy with your team? Are I you am. Happy you know, this team? is the first time in years that I actually am happy. Who uh, do you have? For all so the fantasy for freaks all the fan- out there. I did tweet out a picture of it yesterday. I uh, I kept my keepers weren't great. Crabtree. Colston, Des Bryant fell to me with the third pick because it's a three-year keeper league, so every year there's a Des turnover. Bryant, the third pick. Back in the pick, Des Bryant. Wow. So that's essentially a first-round choice, right? That's essentially you see that's what your he did there, though? Pick. He jabbed Crabtree again. He goes, my bringbacks weren't that good. Crabtree compared to other You're guys no longer on good in terms. the league. You're no longer on good terms. Well, By the way, he we'll still see. considers you on, not on good terms. I'm sure, I'm sure he's very angry still. Maybe he should be on the first uh, Rich Eisen show. Michael Crabtree. <laughs> is there any way? Well, he... that's for sure. When he's when the Niners are on a bye, we got to get sure. Him is there any studio. way he still remembers that? No question. You think? Let me tell you something. Yeah, but Chris he does Brockman, hundreds of interviews. Chris Brockman. Let me tell you something. <laughs> World class athletes, professional football players, are a prideful bunch. They never forget yeah, when every... they're slighted. He might just look at you like, "Where have we met before?" Okay. And then need a quick jogging of the memory. Which of course will play back the and audio. and and then then it's on then it'll be on every time he sees Tim Hasselbeck he just gets pissed <laughs> thinking it's you fantastic line law 
Well done. So who else do you – because I love Des Bryant. I, I oh, love yeah, Des Bryant. And so I took uh, – But took, you are, we all know that we're – and this is what is, is of issue with Dallas is one poor pass protection scheme away. Sure. Well, from Brandon Whedon being the well, one who has to deliver well, him the all, football. I'm all, all in on the Cowboys offense this year. Uh, I took Tony, Romo. I took too. Romo. I like oh, to match up my receiver geez. and my my Romo and Des Bryant could have a record-breaking season, guys. I uh, they really could. So uh, I had to take running backs late. So I have Alfred Morris. Okay. I have the ben, Butler, Ben Tate, mm. Lamar Miller. Did you handcuff him with Terrence? Uh, no. West? I, I, no. I did not. I have uh, Jeremy Hill, the rookie. By the way, uh, Bill Cower dropped I one earlier. Kyle Rudolph is my tight end. Uh, Doug Martin. Comeback player of the year. Where you draft him? He was I bet the, you he's going to fall like a stone in fantasy drafts. You know who else is? He was at the bottom of my first round. Good friend of the program, Maurice Jones-Drew. Yeah. Having a great preseason. Yeah, he really Looking did. like the MJD. And I took that Patriots defense. I think they're going to create a lot of turnovers. Easy schedule this you. year. Mass hole, Homer. That's ridiculous. So anyway, I feel I feel good about my team for the first time in years. We'll see what happens. Okay. Who doesn't feel good about their team? Uh, and after? you uh, did you did a draft on 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 uh, Sunday after your wife broke her toe. Is that true? Uh, Can you yes. explain how that happened? Your wife breaks crazy. her toe in yeah. the house, which is a a a, a metaphor. Is it a metaphor for something? Is it is it is it uh, covering up something that we need to know about the law household? No, no. She, you know, she's a <laughs> yoga instructor. She does some yoga instructing on the side, and she does. Uh, she'll just do handstands. Bringing some class to the law operations. Yes. She'll okay. do handstands. Someone in the has living to do room. it. All right. So, long story short, she breaks her foot. You take her to the emergency room, and you're 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 online drafting within well, within the hour. So no, I I'm going to the ER, and she knew my draft was coming up, and I said I'll, I'll just sit there and do it. She's like, no, 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 I'll be fine. Just wheel me in. We had to get a wheelchair. It was a broken toe. It wasn't that bad. This sounds like an episode of the league by and, the way you know that right yeah. seriously and so i say to her no no no. i can draft my phone the nfl.com has a great new fantasy app you're a team player law uh, and she goes nobody wins their league drafting from their phone sent me home then i said call me i'll pick you up let me know when you're out by the way have you checked with fabiano to see if that is in fact a, a, a true a true stat i don't know i just i just that nobody it. wins That's a true. league drafting from their phone someone uh, if you says won your, your league, wife from an emergency room situation not only that, she cabbed it home. Didn't call me to get, come get her because. And I, so she I, just shows up, and I, you didn't I, know I left she was her on the way. Ten texts and two missed calls. She just shows oh, up. Oh, so you the tried? Day. I tried. <laughs> Dude. Well, husband of the year. Hashtag husband of the year. By the way, if you've won your league drafting from your phone, send us some tweets because I want to know. And his team name is my wife's left foot, <laughs> with an avatar uh, of her bleeding toe. Not good. Oh, last year you were the sh- bows. Are you? Yes. Do you have a new team name or what's the uh, deal? Um, I don't know. I need to figure that one out. All right, just curious. I, I don't think it's going to fly on uh, the Rich Eisen show. No, we need oh, to get yeah, it all out true. of our system now, <laughs> right, James? He's <laughs> nodding his head. Oh uh, yes, very good. Fun stuff. Hey, right. listen, fun stuff. Again, the Rich Eisen show starts October sixth. We will continue doing this once a week, up until the start of that show, which will be available in podcast form. For those who want to download this program. But again, folks are like saying, you know, we're, 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 some are even intimating in Twitter that we're abandoning them. We're expanding. We're expanding. We're We're going to be there three hours a day. There will not be enough time for you to listen to this show, but I'm sure you will. Of course. Quick international shout out. The international shout out of the week, Chris Brockman. This is not going to be a repeat. I latex that up uh, like a month ago when we had it. Paul Lyons at Paul Tamori says, hey, Chris, can we get an international shout out? 
on the next pod for the LNFFL. They had the their fan- it's a, it's his fantasy draft league it has a Twitter handle. They were drafting right now, which was like two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag Baltimore Ravens. They are located in Larkhall, Scotland. Ah, very good. UK here we don't. By the way, his his Twitter bio is country beer and sports. I like this guy already from Paul Scotland. Lyons. Thanks, buddy. All right. Uh, I want to thank uh, Bill Cower at Cower CBS. I want to thank Ian Dark at Ian Dark. I want to thank uh, Rob Tobias and Mac Nuulu of ESPN uh, PR for helping set that Bobby up. Bobby Tobias. Do you know you know him? No, no. You're just calling him Bobby. <laughs> just throwing it out there, Rich. Love. I want to thank both of them. Uh, I want to thank Jen Sabatel of CBS PR for helping with Bill Cower at Chris Law. Good to see you. Good to see you, Rich. Thanks for having me. At Chris Brockman, the Rich Eisen Show does give you an opportunity to finally leapfrog law. Yeah, let's go, guys. Let's step this up. Do you want a classy Twitter follow? At Chris Brockman. He live tweets Independence Day. Yeah. I'm a true American. He's a patriot. (laughs) Come on. And I'm at Rich Eisen for at Rich Eisen Show. Yes. Which law, law, five minutes after the press release, had changed. (laughs) For at Rich Eisen Show. If not us, who? By the way, that background picture not, is still us. <laughs> if not, now when? Yes. Yeah, the background. We It, it is us. That's no, I know, but it's from. You are coming with, by the way. No, I know. I'm saying it's the picture of us from the photo booth. At, at, uh, yes. I know. It's old school. That's old school. That's what I'm saying. I like it. I'm at Rich Eisen. Peace out. Stay listening, friends.